This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We spoke with BYU football head coach Kalani Satake, who joined us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline with full uh, emotion for sure. Here is that conversation. Kalani, let's begin here. What was the conversation like last night with the athletic director at BYU, Tom Homo, when you found out that BYU was number 14? Um, I, when I found out, I mean, that was, you saw it on the show last night. It was real time and I didn't have much time to react. All I could think about, you know, was, uh, trying to get more games on the schedule, but we've been doing that since, since the beginning, we've been trying to add, we wanted 12 games. And so, um, you know, I know Tom's been working really hard at it and, and we had a good conversation and, and hopefully, you know, we can get some games there. We obviously we saw where we were ranked. All I could think about were the boys. All I could think about were the players and their hard work and uh, I know a lot of teams work hard but man I I don't coach all the other teams I only coach this team and I can think about all I can think about is them how much they're hurting and uh, how motivated they are right now and 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 hopefully we can get some more opportunities to get them out there and play because they love playing football when all this stuff is like when it's all out there our guys just like being on the field and they love playing the game and that's when they're at their best and I, I hope we get more opportunities for that. All I could think about was how good you looked in a suit on ESPN. That's mm. all I could think about. There's that. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I feel I feel I don't feel the same right now without my hat on. But you know, I I seem to have thrown them all over the place. I don't know where the hat. <laughs> Fourteen. Yeah, you're talking. Kalani, let's talk about that. So. I don't think that BYU and you could have done anything more than you've done. And that's the frustrating part, I I think, in this whole process is when the schedule goes from 12 down to 2, you add San Diego State and and, uh, Boise State, you tell Houston, yeah, we'll go there. Who does that, right? You add what you could. You win all those games. You win every one but one convincingly. I don't know what more you could have done. And that, to me, that's the most frustrating part. Well, the one that wasn't convincing – we had a we had a great lead in the game, anyways. It wasn't like that was a nail biter the entire time, you know. So obviously we we made some mistakes in that game and everything. But I hate going back to that game and saying, "Man, we should have done this," you know. And and then um, and there's just a lot of things. I, I for me it was about the boys, and then after that, hearing the reasoning, I just like to see some consistency behind all of it, you know. When when people are talking about this is how we look at it, this is how we rank it and then and then it doesn't it doesn't seem like that fits the criteria for all 25 teams on there and so that's all that's all we're looking for is consistency in the reasoning and and the way that they they rank it but uh it's just so f- different than what we saw from the AP and the coaches poll and things like that and and I just hope that you know hope they're able to watch our guys really and see them play like I said I think we're an exciting brand of football do you feel like the committee has not watched you enough? Because if they had, you would have been higher. Well, I don't. I don't know. I, I hope they've watched everyone. You know, I, 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 uh, I would. I would imagine that would be the case. But uh, when you hear some of the things that are said in the interviews and things like that, and and that's all we have to go off of is what they say about us specifically. You know, and then and then the the reasonings why we're so low because our our win against Boise was not that great because they were not at their fullest, at their best and as far as personnel. We, we have that same reasoning, too, with a lot of different games. But um, it's okay. We, we, we're going to 
have to find ways to, to fight back and to play and, and use it as motivation. I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and crap on people, you know, for, for trying to do their best. Um, but things didn't go our way. It's okay. It's life. Now the more important thing is how do we react to it? Uh, I said it before, it's a difficult position for the committee to be in, especially this year. And, um, you know, we're, we're, all, all I really care about is our, our players right now. And, and, uh, how motivated they are. I talked, I talked to a, a, a good number of them last night, and, and I wish there was a game this Saturday. Kalani Satake, BYU head football coach, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, when you see the clear outlash and backcry from a mass majority of the most notable college football playoff analysts and experts inside the game, Kirk Herbstreit, Reese Davis, uh, David Pollock, Desmond Howard, What's your reaction to that when they all collectively are saying, whoa, BYU is ranked way too low? Well, they watched us play. <laughs> and and they, they called some of our games, and they've been around our program and, and, and seen uh, Zach Wilson throw the ball. And so uh, that, that, that's the, the thing that I, I, I think for, – for me, it's like I don't know where we're, we're supposed to be. I, I, I mean – I don't know if we would have been angry right now if it was any different than if it was higher than 14, if it was a couple spots higher. I just know that our guys feel uh, a little bit burned, and it's, and we'll just have to react and be better at it and then find a way to, to change people's minds. But I am really happy about Cincinnati and where the position that they're in. I'm, I'm happy for for the hard work that they've done and looking at the position that they're in as, as a G5. And, and uh, you know, there's some really good teams out, out there in, in, the, in the top 25 and and uh, they deserve to be there. It just the, the criteria for the for the ranking is is the, the key that, that that everybody wants to know. And I think that's why there's a lot of people that are up in arms on on the rankings. Yeah, in a conference call after the show, uh, it's brought up that why is Cincinnati? Seven? Well, we were impressed that they are uh, in the top twenty in offense and defense. BYU's the only team in the top ten. Yeah, that <laughs> consistency is frustrating. And then, you know, this morning, uh, you know, Cincinnati and Temple are going to be canceled, and then Cincinnati can't play next week. So it was like, oh, even if there was a possibility of that game, that's tough. And I want to make this point, Kalani, and you know with Tom, we all know, it's not like Tom Homo just started picking up the phone the last week or two. It's been all season. Like you said, you've been trying to get to 12. Before the season, there was a time where you guys thought you were going to open with Alabama at one point for a couple days, right? This isn't a thing that just started. You guys have been trying all year to get good games on the schedule. We have, and 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 Tom's done a great job in trying to reach out to people, and and we're going through negotiations and trying to get these games out there. There's, it's not just us and then the other team. There's a conference that we have to work with as well, and so I think a lot of people are forgetting that part. When we were talking to teams in the SEC, the reason why we reached out to the SEC is because they were the only ones that were playing. I mean, when we were the only ones in the West, we get going back in time seems like so long ago. When you go back in, in, in August when we were trying to get our schedule, we were the only ones in the West that were playing football. So we had to reach out to the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC, Sunbelt, Conference USA, um, and the American. Those are the, the, the conferences that we had to reach out and the independents and trying to get games scheduled. And um, then the conferences decided that they're going to go conference only. So it, it slammed the door shut on those op- opportunities. And that was with the SEC. And then the ACC and the Big 12 had conference only, but some stipulations on the extra game that they could play. And so that we really weren't in the mix in those. And then we had to go to conference. Thank goodness for the Sun Belt and the and Conference USA and the American for helping us out. And, and, and things, thank goodness we were able to work some things with Houston where they couldn't come here. 
they wanted to, but they couldn't come here. So we were able to change it up and Tom was great in getting us to go there. And I mean, that, that stuff happens and it's great to schedule it. But we, we said from the very beginning, you guys can go back and quote us. We wanted 12 games. We wanted to get 12 games just because these guys are ready to play 12 games. We were in shape to play 12 games. And every time that we sit here, we don't get to play a game through a bye. It's really hard. It's frustrating for our players because they're such big time competitors, you know? So I don't know if, if we have two more open dates. We have one next week uh, on the December 5th and then one on the 19th. And and I don't know if any of those games being filled by whoever is going to be good enough for people. But it's good enough for us because we get to play football. We love to play football. I, I don't know what the record is going to show at the end of the day when if we do get 12 games. But, man, I like our chances. And, and for our boys, they just love playing football. We want to get out there and do it. Coach, I know it's hard to pinpoint uh, a percentage chance of BYU being in a scenario where you get to play two more games, one on December 5th and the other on December 19th, as you mentioned on those dates. But how confident are you in that BYU, or that BYU will play games on both of those dates? I guess that's, that's more a question for Tom, you know, and, and, and I know Tom Homo's working really hard with that. Um, I just know that. Uh, this team will play on those dates. We'll, we'll play anytime you want us to. We'll we'll play back-to-back games if you want. I mean, if you're up to our players, we would have 30 games scheduled and some JV games. I mean, that's that's the way this team is built. We have a lot of depth on our team. We feel really good about it. We're, you know, guys wanted to scrimmage this weekend against each other. That's how much they love football. And so um, we're just going to wish them happy Thanksgiving. We're, we'll try to rally back and and regroup as a, as a program, and and uh, then we'll go we'll go from there. But uh, I'm just thankful I get to coach these kids and, and I get to be around them. There was a lot of discussion around Washington, obviously, San Diego State moving that up. Was San Diego State a possibility to move up this Saturday? I don't know the specifics of that one. I, I'm pretty sure Tom was talking to him as well. And, um, you know, we were trying to get Washington first. That, that was the, the, the goal. And so and it just didn't work out. It, it doesn't have to be this – huge dramatic thing where oh no didn't work out because these guys didn't want it or they didn't want it it just didn't work out and we couldn't come to an agreement and uh you know the players wanted that game but there's a lot of things that go into it but that that's that's i think there's a lot of options if you talk to tom there's probably could have been half a dozen options for this weekend do you mind who you play? Obviously, playing better teams would help in trying to get into the New Year's Six because that's the goal. If you finish undefeated and you're not in the New Year's Six, uh, I don't know how you feel, but I'd be really disappointed given the resume. BYU would deserve that, in my opinion. Would you take a, quote-unquote, lesser game just to fill the schedule at this point? I'll take any game just to play football. You know, So uh, if you and, and Spencer want to gather some guys to come out here and play us, <laughs> We'll do it. Put it on BYU TV. We just we just want to get out there and play football. We, we it, don't it, want it, that, just so you know. <laughs> we're we're going to try to be at our best no matter who the opponent is. And and, and um, uh, we wanted 12 opportunities. We said that from the very, very beginning. We never backed down from it. We had 10, you have 10 opportunities now. Uh, we missed out, missed out on one, right? Uh, but I'm glad that we were able to get to nine right now, be nine and oh with a 10th game on the horizon and hopefully, you know, uh, an 11th or 12th, they show up. 
Coach, we give thanks, as you uh, said last night on your ESPN interview, for uh, the opportunity to watch BYU football this season. We don't take it for granted, and I know that uh, you and your team clearly don't. Um, if you want a game, get your coaching staff. Uh, maybe Jeremy and I can recruit some former players, and we'll go play a turkey bowl on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know. Turkey bowl, I mean, the emergency rooms are really, really flying. <laughs> they're, they're going crazy on Thursdays because – Guys like us can't hang it up, you know, and, and um, so just be careful, everyone. But I mean, that you know, last night when when the whole thing was going down, and 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 I got to be, I had the time to settle down. Probably the last minute, the last thirty seconds, all I could think about was gratitude, the opportunity that I had to be the head coach of BYU, and to be around such great young men and people that are involved with BYU, the best fan base out there, and uh, all I, that's why I could all I could do is at the end I. Just thankful, you know, and I wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. I say do the same to you guys. You guys are amazing uh, and do a great job representing BYU and getting the news out to our fans. And uh, that's why I said that. I wanted to end on, on, a, on a good note because that's how I truly feel. I really am thankful to be here and uh, represent BYU. So thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. The always classy Kalani Sataki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Certainly some frustration there, obviously, watching the games. It's like, ugh. 14 is tough. When you look at what BYU's done, they couldn't control the schedule. They had to play who they could play, and BYU's dominated and won uh, in all but one game and won all those games. So let's go. And looking at the resume between BYU and Cincinnati, it's not that different. In fact, BYU has a better resume in everything but strength of schedule. They just want to play 12 games. 12-0 and 0 would say something. Okay, two more games. Let's go. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's get to Top 5 Tuesday, the greatest individual seasons by BYU quarterbacks, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jason. Number 5, Robbie Bosco in 1984, over 3,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, 33 through the air. He led the nation in completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and total offense. Third in the Heisman voting, second in the Davey O'Brien Award. Voting and he led BYU to their only national championship with a 13 0 record. Oh, national Boom. championship at five. Number Drops the four. Mic. Zach Wilson, 2020. Recency bias. Uh, have you seen what he's doing? 74% completion percentage, over 2,700 yards. He's responsible for 34 total touchdowns, only two interceptions. His pass efficiency is 205. He's on pace to break the record for highest completion percentage in a season for BYU, leading BYU to a number eight ranking and nine in order. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Yes, he is. Number three, Steve Young in 1983, 3,900 yards passing, 33 touchdowns through the air, eight on the ground. He led the nation in completions, completion percentage, passing yards, passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, total yards, and pass efficiency rating. The man did it all. First team All-American, Davey O'Brien Award winner, finished second in the Heisman voting as well. Number two, Jim McMahon, 1980, 4,500 plus yards, 47 passing touchdowns. Led the nation in completions, passing yards, total yards, passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, and pass efficiency rating. Set 71 NCAA records. All-American, Black Player of the Year, and of course the Miracle Bowl and the Hail Mary against SMU to cap it all off, Jason. Jim McMahon at number two. And number one, we say it with reverence, Ty Detmer in 1990. 5,188 yards, 
41 touchdowns, led the nation in passing yards, Heisman Trophy winner, first-team All-American. He won the Davey O'Brien and the Maxwell Trophy. Is the WAC Player of the Year, goes without saying. He broke 31 NCAA records, and they defeated number one Miami. Attaboy, Ty! Hey, let's review our prop picks, because it was awesome for us on Saturday. Okay, not so much. Hey, going in, Jason had a four-point lead. We took some chances because we're trying to get back in this thing, Jeremy. And speak, again, speak for yourself. <laughs> Backfire. Number one, will there be more Zach Wilson rushing touchdowns or Baylor Rami Or headbands passes? that change everything. You and I both said push. <laughs> we both said push. Yeah, yeah. Jason said there would be more Zach Wilson rushing touchdowns. Nope. All three of us were wrong. All three were wrong. Okay, number two, more points scored for BYU in the first and third quarters or second and fourth? Uh, it was second and fourth. You and Jason said first and third. I got that one right. Second quarter was explosive. Yes, it was. Yeah. 28 points alone in that quarter. Yeah, I bumped into Zach. I was like, hey, here's this headband. And you must. <laughs> Number three, more Sol J. Mayava Peters pass attempts, Sione Finau TDs, or Baylor Romney TD passes. Jeremy, you said Finau. So did I. Jason said Baylor Romney. Sione didn't really play that much. No, he had all, the right? fumble. And that may have affected how much he did play. Yeah, yeah. Jason wins that by guessing correctly, Baylor. That's cool we involved Jason in this. Number four, over under 55 points, uh, points for BYU. Uh, you and I said over. Jason yeah. under. Jason doesn't believe in the BYU offense. <laughs> uh, 66 <laughs> points. That's an FCS high for the play yeah. yeah. Program worst for uh, North Alabama as well. Allowed. Uh-huh. Number five, more BYU punts or interceptions by the BYU defense. I went push. You said interceptions. Jason said punts. And late in the game, it again, went the way of Jason. Again, he doesn't believe in the BYU offense. Well, he got paid off. <laughs> he was paid off for it this time. So Jason now plus two. Jerem plus two. I go plus one. Jason has a five-point lead over me, a four-point lead over Jerem on the season. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom from his custom-built studio in the Seattle area is former BYU and NFL quarterback Jake Heaps. Jake, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How are things? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're going to need you to come spruce up our studio when you get a free minute. Is that okay? Uh, you, you guys got a sweet setup right now. <laughs> I, right now I'm here... In, in COVID, you know, everybody's become a, you know, master of DIY, DIY projects, you know, and, and uh, DIY projects. And, and I looked at my shed and I was doing my shows in, from my laundry room. And so I finally looked at it and said, you know what, I got to turn this thing into a studio. So uh, it was a fun little project to do while I was bored out of my mind. A very impressive stuff. Um, and obviously you have a unique perspective based on your location you're a big radio personality in the Puget's, uh, Puget Sound uh, area up there. What's the take from Washington on this whole situation with BYU of who wants the smoke, who doesn't want the smoke, there's a game on, there's a game off. How have you perceived all of this? Well, my perception has been very different from everyone up here in the Northwest. I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately for BYU, this was one of those situations where, you know, you what you say and what ends up happening are two different things. And, you know, when you come out boldly and proclaim anytime, anywhere, any place, and you have somebody that calls you the next day that says, okay, we'll take you up on that offer. And you say, eh, 
I don't think so. You're going to get, you're going to get a razzing from everyone around the country. You know, those, those are bold statements, but the reality of the situation is not what is perception. Right. And, and I think that's the biggest thing in this is that, you know, with BYU in this situation, why would you commit to playing a team? And let's be honest, the PAC 12 as a whole is far behind every single other conference, every single other college football program in America right now that is playing college football. Um, they were late to the party. They were late to, you know, getting themselves to playing. And now they're in a situation where they're having a hard time with, with COVID and COVID protocols and getting games. So BYU in this situation, they didn't need this game as badly as UW. Sure, it would have been nice to, to have it on their resume, no question. But UW is the, is the team that needed this game more. They're the ones that have only played two games up to this season, whereas BYU has played nine. And for, for UW and the Pac-12 to come to BYU and put down all these stipulations and say, this is, these are the terms of agreement, you better accept it or we, we won't play you, I think to me was, was garbage from the beginning. And Tom Homo was absolutely right in the way that he handled this. And it's not necessarily great from a PR standpoint initially, but uh, BYU did the right thing. And ultimately, I think BYU is going to get a better game out of it than, than uh, the matchup at UW. And, and I'm, hey, I wanted this matchup more than anybody between BYU and UW. would have been a great one. It would have been fun. And obviously, uh, it, it's close to my heart. You know, Jake, one, one of the other reasons that BYU was, was so cautious about this was they didn't want to commit and then have the game pulled because – Washington was going to end up playing Utah, which certainly has, has a high probability of happening with the uncertainty with ASU. What are you hearing up there in terms of the, the potential of, even if BYU had agreed to do it, the University of Washington playing Utah this weekend? Yeah, it doesn't matter when it comes to trash talk, Jason. Unfortunately, <laughs> when it comes to UW, they don't want to hear any of that stuff. Don't throw logic out there. Logic <laughs> is irrelevant in this conversation. Don't it, it, BYU is scared. They're running scared. They they don't want any part of UW. That's the that's the 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 conversation up here in the Northwest. And I have to quickly remind people that that just simply isn't the case. The, the, there are agreements in place that UW and the Pac-12 want BYU to agree to that just are ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And BYU, again, want to reiterate, again, BYU would be doing UW more of the favor than the other way around as much as they want to play it off as we're the Power 5 school, we're the team that would help you build your resume. Um, that's just not simply the case. And so to me, it, you know, BYU, I'm glad that they didn't take this, you know, just rolling over. Um, I'm glad that it, you know, there was a report that came out last night that said that, hey, BYU actually made a counter offer. And it just went to go to show kind of the hypocrisy of what was actually out there that, you know, BYU put forth a, a, an opportunity for them to come to Provo, uh, for UW to come to Provo and for them to commit to the game, which in all honesty, guys, this isn't between program and program. This is really on the fault of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is the one that muddied this up. And it's a Pac-12 rule that they have to be able to uh, leave themselves open to cancel games with non-conference opponents. Um, and, and so that is really the, the unfortunate aspect about this. And for BYU, I think they got their statement across saying, hey, we weren't afraid to play. We just weren't willing to go with these stipulations that, that were given to us. And, 
quite honestly, the game that I'm hopeful that BYU can put together is Cincinnati next week. If BYU and Cincinnati can play next week, honestly, I think that might be the better game. And that's the bigger resume builder, obviously, with where those two teams are on the national rankings. Jake, when the when the weekend rolls around, do you think UW's taking on Utah? Do you think that's the game that actually happens? Absolutely. The, the situation that's going on at Arizona State, it's just – it's too unknown. And if they guys, if they can't commit to the game now, there's very little confidence that I have that this game is going to come together. I mean, it's just common sense. Right. And the, the situation that we have heard uh, reported from Arizona State and, and you know, some of my in, information or contacts that I have within that program, it's just it's it's a disaster right now. They're really reeling and trying to figure it out and trying to you know get a handle on things and it's been really tough for them. So I anticipate that BYU or sorry, UW and Utah are most likely going to be playing this weekend. Former BYU and NFL quarterback Jake Heaps with us on BYU Sports Nation. Jake, let's talk about Zach Wilson, who is being projected as a first round NFL draft pick. We've seen him as high as number three to the Washington football team. Mel Kiper, Todd McShay have him around 13 to 16. Where do you see Zach Wilson transitioning into the NFL from a draft perspective when this season is over? Well, guys, I, I said from his freshman year, I had a chance to be around him and, and work with him a couple times, you know, from a training aspect and, and get to know him and his family and all that. And, and great kid, great people, um, his family. And it just really, really was impressed by him. The more and more I've been around the game, and the more and more that I've been through this as a player and also now as a coach and, and working with some of the best guys in the country and working with Russell Wilson and, and all those guys, to me, one of the, the, the biggest common denominators for success is your mentality, your mental makeup. And Zach Wilson has that mental makeup to thrive at a high level, you know, through adversity, through success. He's just got what it takes. And Zach, you know, I always knew and and said outwardly that I thought that he was a first-round talent since his freshman year. Um, It's been great to see this come together for him. It's been great to see Kalani Sataki, you know, and this offensive staff really grow Zach Wilson and really develop his game. And that's been something that's really been a joy for me to watch over the years. It hasn't been an easy ride, guys. I mean, you know, Zach hasn't played clean football throughout his entire career, but they stuck with him. They allowed him to continue to mature and grow, and uh, you see him playing at the level that he is now, and he's got everything that it takes to play at a high level at the NFL level. So, guys, my my hope and my dream for Zach Wilson is not to go to the Washington football team, but to have him be selected by Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I think that that would be an amazing situation and setup for him. And you, you talk, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of different people that I really trust at the NFL level in terms of coaches, evaluators, and all that with Zach Wilson. You know, right now he's in the third or fourth spot. And the third or fourth spot, this is a really good quarterback class. Um, And you're going to see, you know, potentially four quarterbacks taken in the top 15 this year. And uh, I I expect Zach Wilson to be right in the mix of that. Jake, it's great to catch up with you. You're a choice human being, a great football mind. Let's do this again soon. Hey, anytime, guys. Just let me know. I'll be here. You got it. Jake Heaps with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 
Lots to discuss with ESPN's Trevor Maddich, of course. Uh, I conversed with him earlier this morning, mainly about BYU and Washington, a little bit about the college football playoff rankings coming out tomorrow night. Always the BYU perspective, but always the national perspective. Here's my conversation with Trevor on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Trevor, a lot to unpack, and almost none of it has to do with North Alabama or Taysom Hill, but we'll try and get to that. We'll see. BYU and Washington, a lot of reports came out. Tom Hummel issued a statement. What's your reaction to all of this stuff? As all of this stuff seems completely unnecessary to me. I mean, these are negotiations and, and fact-finding, really, that should have gone on behind closed doors at a high level. And until somebody was ready to make an announcement, there should have been no media involvement at all. So I don't know where the leak came from, but wherever it did come from, I hope they had a really good reason because this seems to be creating a whole big dust storm that was absolutely unnecessary. It's reasonable to think that it came from Washington. BYU has not been the one to leak anything relative to this. So let's break it down. Obviously, we need to acknowledge that Zach Wilson's headband certainly is a message that makes it look like, well, BYU said no, so maybe that's not what they think. But Zach Wilson is a player. He wants to play. I don't fault him for that mentality, but that message is being misconstrued with that of perhaps the entire BYU football and BYU athletics aims and missions relative to the schedule. We've got to see what BYU's ranked tomorrow to see if BYU even needs a game, right, Trevor? Yeah, I think this will be something fun to study for the BYU Communications School because this is something that, you know, you got to be on message, right? But I agree with you about Zach Wilson. Players do want to play. That's what they want to do, and so they'll fight to get every game they can get. But there is a bigger picture. Part of it's financial. Uh, There's all kinds of things going on that we don't know about that Tom Holmo does know about. What we do know is that Tom Holmo, over the course of this entire crazy season, has put himself in a position where I think he should be in the running for administrator or athletic director of the year. If there's an award for that, he should be on the finalist list because he has been magnificent in cobbling together uh, this season and putting it in such a position that this team could do what they have done so far. He's been fantastic, and so has the entire athletic department, of keeping the players as safe as possible while also keeping the team on the field. And so right now, I think the people from the outside looking in, they're saying, yeah, play the game. Why not play the game? There are things that are happening behind the scenes that are important to be resolved before it becomes quite as simple as just play the game. And to me, BYU is sitting there like Captain Phillips in the movie saying, hey, I'm the captain now. BYU's the one sitting in eighth. BYU's the, the team with the Heisman quarterback. BYU's the team in, con- in control. The Pac-12 needs BYU more than BYU needs the Pac-12. So I don't know why this game would happen in the first place, but uh, it's, it's a negative PR move against BYU. And I wonder if BYU needs to schedule a game to offset this. Well, this is – see, you said it's a negative PR, PR move against BYU is what you just said. And certainly it, it seems like that on one end, right. which to me is another one of those things that's weird to me because if it did come from Washington, maybe it came from the, the athletic administration or coaching staff, maybe it was just a maintenance worker walking by an open door and overheard something on the phone. I mean, I, I don't want to point a <laughs> finger. But if it was somebody in a position of power at Washington, why would it be helpful to – make themselves seem untrustworthy to BYU now. And to other people, by the way, looking in that would think they would have a confidential conversation and all of a sudden it might be leaked to the press before everything is ready to go. Now, I'm not blaming Washington for that. It's very important because I don't know what happened here. But it seems that it does cast a pretty bad light 
on whatever the source of this leak might be. And so I, I wish that hadn't happened because I know BYU has had a relationship with Washington for a long time, and I hope something like this doesn't have an effect on it. Yeah, they played last year. They played for a long time. You played in games, you know, against Washington. Uh, and we, we have to remember, BYU had three Pac-12 games scheduled, all on the road, by the way, for BYU, at Utah, at Arizona State, at Stanford. These were all canceled on August 11th, and now the Pac-12 says, okay, if you're going to play a non-conference game against us, it's got to be on our home field with our TV partners, probably our testing protocols, by the way. That didn't make it in uh, one of the reports. But also the fact that uh, if the game, uh, the game could be canceled Thursday because if there are two Pac-12 teams that have games canceled due to COVID issues, they would play. BYU reportedly wanted a guarantee and did not get it, and now BYU looks like the sheepish one? I don't understand why that's the case. If you, and if you only saw the headband and you saw that BYU said no, I could understand why BYU looks like cowards. But there, it's way more complicated than that. It is. And the thing is, you said BYU seems to be the sheepish one. This whole seems is because somebody called a reporter. Yep. That's why this whole thing seems. It should have been, okay, we're not ready yet. The cake is not baked. Let's wait to make an announcement. If there's no announcement to be made, let's just keep it on the down low. That's the way we do business. So that, that it's a perception problem. It's not a reality yeah. problem. Uh, I would take the other side on the Pac-12, though, and their conditions. I think it's reasonable for the Pac-12 to have the, con- the conditions that they do. They have some of the strictest COVID protocols in all of college football for a good reason. I mean, they weren't going to play at all. In the fall, they were going to wait until the spring to see if they could play. And I think it was a compromise on their part to play in the fall. And part of that compromise was to have more strict protocols. Then when they opened it up to possibly going out of conference, which was not part of the original restarting plan, they wanted to make sure that those protocols in terms of all the COVID scenarios were met at their standard. I don't mind that at all. And from a standpoint of only having six conference games. It's reasonable that if somebody does schedule a non-conference game to fill a hole because one team couldn't play because of COVID, if a conference game came up at the last minute, they would want that conference game to be played. Keep in mind the finances of this whole thing. I mean, the you know rich programs all over the country are hurting right now. The University of Tennessee asked their assistant football coaches to take a, a pay cut. The head coach had already taken a pay cut, and Eight of the assistants said, no, we're not going to do it. Dabo Sweeney, the head coach at Clemson, was really, I don't want to say the word complaining, but he was sounding off on having to pay $300,000 in travel expenses for a game that didn't happen. When they got on the plane, went to Tallahassee and Florida State at the last second said, no, we're not going to do it because one of your guys just got a positive test back, right? Which wasn't back before they got on the plane and came down there. Dabo talked a lot about the $300,000. So I get it that the Pac-12, if they can schedule a, a makeup game would want to have two Pac-12 teams instead of just one. So so I, I understand how BYU people feel about that, that that might be draconian. But from their perspective, it's reasonable. And from BYU's perspective, it is also reasonable to hold off on jumping at an opportunity there until they find out all the information and all the ramifications. Yeah, along those lines. So if BYU were to travel to Washington, it's probably, what, several hundred thousand dollars. Tom Homo just mentioned, uh, what, Friday night in a video posted on social media that by the end of the 21, uh, 2021 season, BYU will probably lose $20 million bucks. They're asking for donations. They've already had at least 200000 So why would BYU agree to a non-guaranteed game where they may prepare to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars as well? Well, that's part of the problem. And so these are all things that Tom Holmo was having to juggle. Plus, from a standpoint of, of money, 
if BYU makes a New Year's Six Bowl as an independent, there's a lot of money there. And it would be a risk if they did something that would expose them to COVID, for example, that would put that at risk. It would be a risk if they were to go and lose a game. that would knock them out of it. And so there are all kinds of things that are being juggled right now. I don't know exactly what Tom Homo is thinking and what his, his, his criteria are. But I do know that if BYU can get into a New Year's Six Bowl, it will go a long ways toward helping to ameliorate the financial difficulties that this pandemic has caused them as an independent. Yeah, it's perfect timing. And uh, that exact number of, of how many millions of dollars BYU would get and not have to share with anybody is still highly unknown, but we'll figure it out tomorrow night. It's not Spencer money, but it's pretty good. Right. It's not Spencer money. That's exactly right. Uh, Tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on ESPN, we will find out the first ranking that matters. Now, the rankings in the eight people and coaches, those have been fun and nice, but now it's what matters, what will determine what happens with BYU's fate. Trevor, where do you expect BYU to be in the first college football playoff rankings? It depends on what the committee values, and we don't know that yet. We've been looking at BYU in the, you know, eight, nine in that vicinity. There are eight right now in the AP and thinking, well, that's about right. Well, that's assuming that, you know, we are watching the games and we're seeing that BYU is playing like the eighth best team in the country. That's a reasonable assumption. But let's wait and see what the committee thinks, because the committee also throws things into it like strength of schedule and strength of record. And there, there are things that are important to them. Uh, the, the dozen or so members will have different criteria that are important, are important to them individually. And so if you look at Miami, who's just behind BYU, you know, their only loss is to Clemson. And Clemson is a team that BYU hadn't played. They haven't taken that risk. And so they may throw that into consideration. They may say that, you know, Cincinnati will stay up there because of scheduling. They may say that BYU has done great, but other teams behind them, maybe with the loss have played a tougher schedule, we're going to put them above BYU. We don't know what the committee will think. So to me, what is less important than where they put BYU right now, to me overall, from a national perspective, is what do they value? If their most important thing in this crazy COVID-shortened season is to look at the tape and see who's best, regardless of how many games they played or who they played, because that's been a crazy jumble, then BYU has a very good chance to stay in the top eight. So we'll find out tomorrow night exactly what they value. Let's hope they don't look at BYU's schedule and say, oh, no Power Fives, because guess what? Six of them canceled with BYU. Trevor, we appreciate the time. A lot to unpack this week, and uh, we look forward to chatting next week. Right, and party at Spencer's house. He's got all that money to spend on something. (laughs) Always. You know it, Trevor. Mr. Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Makes a lot of valid points and interesting conversation, right, of hearing a BYU guy who also understands the national perspective. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. On Wednesday, we had a chance to talk with Zach Wilson, literally hours after BYU found out they were much lower in the initial college football playoff rankings than they anticipated being. The Heisman Trophy candidate joined us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Here is that conversation. Zach, I feel like wearing a headband that says any team, any place, any time right now based on what happened at the college football playoff rankings. So how do I get one of those headbands? (laughs) 
Call up my mom. She'll get you one. <laughs> Lisa Wilson has the answer. All right. Uh, I'll talk to her about that. In the meantime, where did you feel like you should have been ranked in the initial college football playoff poll? It's hard. You know, I felt like we were good where we were. Um, I think I think the tough thing is, for me personally, I kind of feel like I had an idea of, of before these rankings even came out that we were going to have to do something to prove ourselves, whether it was um, – playing another game, finishing out strong against someone else. Um, you know, that's what's hard is I feel like either way, whether we were eight or 14, we, we still have something to prove to someone. Cause uh, you know, I still don't feel like uh, even where we were sitting before that we were guaranteed a new year six spot and um, for sure, not a college football playoff spot. Yeah. I was feeling confident all year that at 10 and 0, should you be able to play the San Diego state game and win it that, Hey, that's a near six position. And now we know that that is not. BYU is going to have to schedule a game or two. Yet, Zach, we know this. You know this. Tom has not just been on the phone the last couple days with Washington. It's been all year. We thought maybe Alabama was going to be the opener. This has been a process, and yet it's been tough to get somebody. So are you hoping you get one or two games on December 5th and now the 19th to finish out the season? Yeah, for sure. And that's that's really the goal is, is to play as many teams as we can and keep proving people that we're a good team and um, you know, we'll play anybody that wants to play us that, um, you know, really fits into, um, I mean, people just say like the rules, making sure it fits on both sides. You know, we're not going to go schedule some game that makes absolutely no sense for us as a program. But, um, you know, I feel like we'll take anyone that wants to come and play us, especially, you know, a top ranked team that we can prove ourselves against. And, um, you know, I feel like that's that's a, that's the goal for Tom, too. I know he's he's working to try and do that as well. And Washington didn't fit. It fit some of the criteria, but not all of it. But obviously what they laid out was uh, impossible, uh, and they were going to play Utah anyway. So it, ma- it makes yeah. sense, right? There was a lot of weird narrative about that earlier in the week, and now it's clear that that game was never even going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we gave them a, an amazing offer, and all we, all we asked was just to say, um, guarantee us this game. Tell us that you will for sure play us on, on Saturday so that we're not screwed over. And um, guys that were supposed to go home for Thanksgiving with their family, um, we're no, we're no longer able to have that. And so, um, we gave them a great offer and they turned it down and, and really, I don't even know if that's them, right. I feel like the PAC 12 probably would have stepped in and said, Hey, even if you guys agree on that, we don't, and, and you guys can't do that. So, um, I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be like that, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. BYU junior quarterback, Zach Wilson with us on BYU sports nation, Zach within the team inner circles, how are they collectively handling the disappointment of being ranked number 14 and not in a better position? Yeah, I think pissed off in a good way. Guys are using it as an opportunity to, um, you know, everyone's sending texts like, hey, we got to go. Like this is, um, you know, no one, no one believes in us still. We got we to gotta go and we got we to gotta keep proving everybody wrong. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's mostly the message going around. I, I don't really see anyone that's, you know, saying it's, um, you know, messed up of them or whatever, but just people saying, hey, we got we to gotta go play super well. And so I feel like everyone's just chopping up a bit to get after it. We knew this season was going to be a challenge. As soon as the schedule got down to two games, it was like, oh, gosh, just get what you can, right? And BYU tried to get more. Uh, Like I mentioned, Alabama, there was Iowa State discussion. Obviously, Washington was in the mix. It didn't work out for the reasons we talked about. Um, What what more could you guys have done? You've scheduled and played nine games. You've won by 34 a game. You won by 34 at Boise State. You changed the Houston game to a road game. Who does that? I don't feel like BYU could have done anything more than this. Yeah, that's what's tough. You know, I think about the same thing. It's like we've controlled everything we can control. We've played everyone that 
uh, we've been given. We've tried to play um, anyone else that wants to play us. And, um, you know, we've done our part as players. We can't do anything but just play what we have in front of us. And so, um, you know, really, I think if we just keep handling business, you know, something will work out in the end that's that's in our favor. And uh, we'll be happy with how things go. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I really haven't talked to Tom and, and know what he's doing, but I, I'm sure he's trying to find something for us and uh, something to, to prove that we're, we're a good team and, and we need that opportunity and stuff as well. But really, I don't think we have, have anything, have anything else we could have done. I mean, I really think the only thing is maybe just running the score up on some of these teams um, because so many people are so intrigued with uh, the stats of the game and how, how big of a margin of when you have, when, you know, I've barely played a fourth quarter this whole year. And it's like, if we left our starters in, how many points would we really have thrown up on these guys when Kalani has more sportsmanship than any coach in the country? Um, you know, really, if we would have, you know, we could have put up 60 on every single team we've played this year. And, and Kalani would probably would have gotten crap for it, but maybe the conversation would be different right now. Zach, what did you think of your coach's demeanor last night and his message to the media on ESPN when asked about if BYU was running scared and why the Washington game didn't happen and being ranked number 14? Yeah, I thought it was perfect. I thought he just wanted to let everybody know that we're not shying away from it. You know, we countered an offer that was, um, you know, respectable for both of our sides um and you know they didn't want to do it and it's not necessarily because they're scared either you know i think that was the message that um he wanted to show it's not like oh you know we're fine at nine and oh uh let's go ahead and not play washington this week because you know we don't want to hurt our record you know it's nothing like that and so i thought he did a great job explaining that to people and um you know what i thought was hard is he couldn't really go in depth on as to why um you know he knows why but he can't he can't share that information with a lot of people and i'm sure everyone would want him to yeah, and, and he's a nice guy, like you mentioned. But I, I, I did see some of the fiery Kalani coming out there, and it was oh, yeah. brimming to the surface, which is always uh, yeah. a little fun to see. Let, let's talk about what the kind of the next step is. Obviously, you're hoping for a game next week. There's no game this week. It's not going to happen, right? So next, next week, how many days as the quarterback do you feel like you need and the team needs to prepare for an opponent? Like how late into the week could you be told, oh, we're playing this game this week? Yeah, shoot, I think we could take it all the way to Wednesday. Um, you know, I feel like the real push would be kind of on the coaches, um, getting a game plan together, how much prepping they do of that. You know, I think the problem is we wouldn't be able to install a whole bunch of new stuff. We wouldn't be able to um, really dial up some crazy play calls and stuff like we have in the past. You know, I think we'd have to keep it pretty simple, but that's just really because um, lack of time uh, prepping for it. But every time that we've had a short week, um, I feel like the guys have responded well and, and they're able to say, hey, we play early this week. You know, we got to get after it sooner. And, you know, even for me, I feel like if we found out on a Wednesday, you know, I'd be down to play Saturday. I feel like I'd be able to pour everything we have into it and and make sure we're prepared for that game. Boise State was sort of a primer on that, perhaps. Did you guys learn something about that process when you had you had Monday and Wednesday because Tuesday was Election Day? Then you traveled Thursday, plays Friday, and you had so much success on two full days of prep? Yeah, exactly. I think that's just the advantage of having a veteran team, guys that are experienced as uh, you really don't need all that practice time when you have these guys that have been playing for three years. Um, it really comes down to like the mental prep, understanding the game plan, understanding uh, what we're going to be going against um, when we see their defense line up against us, and um, you know the coaches just getting their game plan ready. I feel I really feel like that's that's all it is. You know, we really don't need a ton of practice days, um, and and when we get them, we're going to take advantage of them. But really, even Boise, you know, could have been cut one one day shorter. I feel like as far as prep goes, and we would have been all right. Zach, much has been said about the open December 5th date and the fact that 
Cincinnati has an open date on December 5th, but we've learned that Cincinnati's now dealing with some COVID issues, so that throws a wrench into playing that game. But we don't know what's going to happen. It's 2020. If, indeed, you had an opportunity to play Cincinnati, do you feel like that's the best game that you could realistically go get? Or do you feel like there's someone else out there that you could go and prove yourselves against? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that would be a huge one. I'd be all over that, and um, the team would be all over that. And I even feel like Cincinnati should be all over that. If they want to prove themselves as a team, too, I feel like it'd be you know, ultra competitive and everyone would be um, excited, you know, knowing what comes from that win. And so, um, you know, that would be a great win. Um, you know, I actually haven't heard about some of their COVID stuff that's been going on, trying to avoid the whole matter. But, um, you know, even anyone that's ranked, I think, in that top 10, that you know maybe was thrown above us you know i'd be happy to play any single one of them um and just show them that that byu can compete with any of them and i think i think that's the message around the whole locker room the message seems obvious but let's discuss what it when what went into uh creating and wearing the headband any team time place on a saturday against north alabama yeah it's hard to say and i think it was really because you know me and my parents talking about it is is we kind of knew it was going to come down to this we kind of knew that the playoff com- playoff committee was probably going to screw us and we were going to end up falling falling off the board a little bit um and we weren't going to have uh you know the same ranking that we did before and so um you know we knew tom was pushing for that but the headband was kind of like hey you know we're not saying that we're better than anybody but it's we're here to play anyone that wants to play us anywhere anytime any place and so um really the message just goes to show that you know we're not afraid of anybody we're not sitting here saying um you know we love our schedule that that, you know, people are saying isn't strong enough. And, um, you know, I think people are overlooking a lot of those teams personally. I think a lot of them are, are better than, than they're saying. Um, but really we're here to play any team that wants to play us. Zach, we appreciate you joining us, uh, during an emotional time for sure for BYU and during your holiday break, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, happy black Friday shopping. And we'll see you, uh, when you get back to work next week. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. The best of BYU sports nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Washington calling on the Cougars, a Sunday night spectacle of drama across the college football landscape based on a finger-pointing hullabaloo leaked by the Washington Huskies. Let me quote the tweet from at Bruce Feldman last night. Sources. BYU turned down the opportunity to play Washington this coming weekend. UW had reached out yesterday, Saturday, but was told BYU wanted to wait until after the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday to gauge their place. It's off the table. Stuart Mandel replied to Bruce Feldman's tweet with this. See now, this is what ducking looks like. Shots fired at Pete Thamel. Some context on the potential BYU-Washington game. BYU is interested in playing, but only if they can lock in a contract immediately. They are concerned that Pac-12 will make Washington play Utah on Sunday if Arizona State can't play. If we can get a game locked in, we want to play, that being the mindset of BYU. Jerem, there was so much finger-pointing and Twitter grenades being lobbed about last night. Is all of this... A bad look for BYU? Okay, let's break it down. We have to acknowledge something. Zach Wilson wore a headband that changed this conversation. He wore a headband 
on Saturday during the game, and his helmet was off the whole second half because he didn't play, that says, any team, time, place. Now, his dad, Mike, told me that uh, Lisa made that for him Saturday morning. I do not fault a player for wanting to play and compete. I don't with Zach. But this is not the official sanctioned message of BYU football and athletics. But it's now, the quarterback! Right. He seems like he's in charge, right? BYU TV Sports Twitter, which I oversee, we put out a tweet that had that picture on it. We fanned the flames of that. Yeah, that happened. If, if you only saw the headband and you only heard BYU said no, yeah, BYU looks bad, yes. But it's much more complicated than that. Let's talk about it. Remind me, did BYU have six Power Fives on the schedule prior to the season? Mm, Which yes. I have an issue with. And it's three of those many. were in the Pac-12. Three of those were at Utah Week 1, at Arizona State Week 3, at Stanford in Game 12. Who's, who canceled these? Was it BYU that canceled them? Oh, wait, it was the Pac-12 who canceled mm. them on August 11th. Mm. BYU has reached out to a number of teams to try and get more games. Several of those are Power 5 teams. Including the Pac-12 after the fact. Well, Pac-12, BYU had Alabama. In fact, the BYU coaching staff was prepping the team for Alabama. They had started preparations for Alabama. Then the SEC said, now we're going to go conference only. Things evolved. Things changed. The Pac-12 started late, right? Um, the latest of any conference. Then, then uh, Power 5 conference. Then now, now, for some reason, why does the Pac-12 get to dictate the terms? BYU wants a contract and a guarantee that they're going to play that game. You know it costs several hundred thousand dollars, right, to, to fly, hotels, all that stuff, prepare that. And then if you didn't play, wait, and it, on Thanksgiving you're going to tell BYU, oh, but we can't do it. Not to mention players are home for Thanksgiving. They took flights on Saturday night after the game, so you got to yes. bring back your team from a Thanksgiving celebration with their families. Reverse the situation and tell me if it sounds silly. Washington's ranked eighth. Mm. Washington has a Heisman Trophy quarterback mm-hmm. candidate mm-hmm. and has enough to make at least a New Year's Six at this point. They do not need to add a non-conference game. BYU calls Washington and says, hey, let's play a game, but it's got to be with our refs, Big 12 refs. It's got to be on BYU TV. And oh, by the way, if we find someone else – uh, on Thursday, we may not even play the game. And you got to come Why, to Provo. Right. Why would Washington ever do they that? They wouldn't. Right now, BYU can sincerely look at Washington and say, I'm the captain now. Because BYU is the one that's eighth. And BYU has the Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. And BYU should have enough to get into New Year's Six. Tom Homo's statement is dripping with awesome. Because he says, variety of factors, location. Yep. Okay, it has to be on the road. Okay. Prep time for the game. We need to know now. You can't, you can't be throwing that out late. One thing to schedule it on December 5th, let alone November 28th. Chance of the game being played. Come on, Thursday you're going to tell us no. Testing protocols. BYU tests less than the Pac-12, but it's a test that's called PCR. The Pac-12 does one PCR a week. They do antigen tests, which have more false positives than any other COVID test. Mm. How about that? And what the game would do for our resume. BYU doesn't need Washington. Washington and the Pac-12 need BYU. BYU is not a placeholder for the Pac-12. I repeat, they are not a temporary friend for the Pac-12. This is the Pac-12 cool kid that says, hey, BYU. Are they the cool kid in college football? They think they are. They think they are clearly because they have outlined these stipulations to play a game. So, yes, they hold themselves in a very high regard, which is now hurting them in an instance like this. 
BYU is not a placeholder. They're not going to say, hey, okay, yeah, come hang out with us. Um, you can sit at the cool kids' table for a few days. But um, if our other regular friend comes back, then you can't sit at the table anymore. And but I there's a chance you I could stay. I won't know until right before lunch. Yeah. Also, um, <laughs> you're going to have to buy us all lunch and wear what we want you to wear and deal with it. And if you don't like that, then eh, we, we don't want to play the game. They're acting as if you said, you know, they're acting like, as you pointed out, BYU has zero leverage in this. BYU has all the leverage. BYU in is this. not a desperate friend in this conversation anymore. Washington wants to play BYU because Washington is one uh, spot out of the AP top 25. They want to get in the running with USC and Oregon to yep. be the Pac 12 beast. Oh, by the way, BYU is ranked higher than any Pac 12 team, and BYU will have played more games at this point than any Pac-12 team will play before bowl season. I'm sorry, why are you dictating these ridiculous terms? And I know that it's not all on Washington because the Pac-12 is an entity, but right, right. conveniently this report gets leaked it's, on a Sunday night from Washington. It's, it's got to be from Washington. You, you'd think, right? Why would BYU offer up this what? information? Why did these negotiations become public? Why? The Pac-12 has had issues with BYU since the 60s. Stanford and Cal has. There's a history there. Yet, I thought we got along, so this is weird. And for, for I, listen, the, the heart of the problem is twofold. On BYU's side, it's the Pac-12 stipulations. On the other side, it's, well, why'd, why'd your quarterback wear a headband like that then? So I acknowledge that that headband creates a stir. And, again, I acknowledge as running BYU TV Sports Twitter with the team, that putting that out there also creates a stir. Right. But the main issue is on this side of it, and we come from the BYU side of it, is, sorry, you don't have the leverage in this conversation. BYU does not need a Pac-12 game. They don't need it. So here's my question now, the actionable item. And some people would argue that BYU does need a Pac-12 game to secure their New Year's Six stats. Or New Year's Six. Mostly people on the West Coast that are in the Pac-12. Right. Well, let's not let the Pac-12 tell us kind of what uh, relevance in New Year's Six and, and college yeah. football playoffs yeah. have to do with things because the Pac-12 has not been a player in, in the college football playoff for several years now. It's, I mean, what's the last one? Oregon or something? It's been a minute. I love the Pac-12. I don't want to be anti-Pac-12. I grew up in Pac-12 country most of my life until I moved to Utah, right? I love Oregon and Washington, the states and the team. Like, I don't want this. I love Seattle. I love the Mariners and the Seahawks. I don't, I don't like this conversation, right? But I, I feel like if BYU's 10-0 on December 20th, they're in a New Year's Six position. Now, does at this point, though, BYU, because of a lot of this negative PR, what we are saying will not be heard nationally. This is among BYU fans are going to hear this. All, BYU, all, all national people are going to see is the headband and the BYU said no, right? And well, it, it, there, that's are, what na- they're there are national analysts that came to the defense of BYU rather quickly last night, which was encouraging. Right, but a lot of the narrative will be, oh, well, so the headband's not a thing. So let, let's talk about that. Does BYU now need to add a game it, to offset that? It will depend on what ranking BYU has tomorrow night. Which is exactly what Tom Homo said it will on, depend on that Saturday. Let's see what happens on Tuesday when the college football playoff poll comes out. And then we'll gauge where BYU sits in the national conversation and the college football playoff picture and the New Year's Six picture. Full con- the full uh, conversation you had on Countdown to Kickoff coming up later in the show. So stay around for that. Plus ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the subject. I- I'm wondering, and we'll see tomorrow, like if BYU is 
higher or let's say lower, lower than ninth, say 10 plus, okay. I would think you need to start to have a more serious conversation there. Again, BYU has been trying to add games all year. Kalani Satake, in our conversation Friday, getting ready for the broadcast, he was, he was visibly annoyed which he perce- with what he perceived to be the narrative around BYU's schedule. He's like, we've been trying to get to 12 all year. We've been talking with everybody. There's a lot of teams that don't want to play us. We want to add games. That's not the issue. I've had an issue with BYU's schedule being too hard. And then all of a sudden, six P5s go away. BYU has to play who they have to play. BYU's winning by an average of 47 to 14 and undefeated and 9-0. and BYU's in a position where they don't need the Pac-12. I'm now wondering if BYU needs to add that game because I think what we're going to see is uh, some negative PR this week based on what just happened. And now BYU's got to consider, okay, do we have to play a Cincinnati or a Marshall or a whatever I don't know the answer to that. I think it depends on what happens tomorrow night. This is why BYU has an athletic director. To direct what BYU does as a program. The quarterback does not make the decisions. And right. I'm with you. Right. I think it's awesome. Zach Wilson, uh, walk, rock the headband, man. Rock that headband. Send that message. He's a competitor. He wants to play. But you're telling me, seriously, with everything that is potentially at risk, and all of the sacrifices BYU would have to make only to not be guaranteed that the game even gets played? Yeah. You're silly. out of your minds. Silly. Oh, jeez. You're out of your minds if you think that BYU is scared. Stop it. I'm not scared of the competition. Stop it. I'm not scared of the competition. I, I like BYU's chances against everybody but, like, four teams in the country. That's it. That, and they would be challenges, right? BYU it's is Alabama, not a Clemson, Ohio State. And uh, Notre Dame and Florida, Texas A&M, maybe like those six. Okay, that that's those would be the real, real, real tough ones. The rest of them, it's like, hey, that's a fair fight. I think let's go. They're not a temporary friend for the Pac-12. Okay, <laughs> you because, already yeah, canceled yeah, three you games. Be, you can be our us. friend, well, and now what? you won't even guarantee this one. There's yeah, a bigger yeah. party that BYU is probably going to get invited to anyway. Yeah. With people that, that actually care about BYU. BYU doesn't need the Pac-12. Pac-12 needs BYU, though. Right now, that is the truth. What in the world happened last night? BYU football in at number 14 in the college football playoff rankings. We all thought, it's different this year. It's 2020. BYU has won more games than any other team in the country. All the national narrative says, the Cougars are legit. To quote one, Kirk Herbstreet. Well, the committee clearly was not buying it. Number eight in the coaches, number eight in the AP poll, number 14 in the college football playoff poll. Jerem, what was your reaction when you saw BYU pop up next to the number 14 last night? Literally? What? That was my reaction. Just crazy. Uh, The disrespect on BYU is just crazy. I don't feel like the committee has watched BYU. They may say it, but their, their number 14 says they haven't actually watched. When comparing BYU and Cincinnati after the call, Gary Barta, the athletic director at Iowa, he said that one of the differences between Cincinnati and BYU is that Cincinnati is 4-0 against uh, you know, teams with winning record. Uh, um, BYU is 3-0, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that Cincinnati's in the top 20 in scoring offense and defense. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> uh, BYU is the only team in the top 10 in scoring offense and defense. Oh, how about that? Yeah, really frustrating. Feels like 96 and 2001 again. Basically, like, your best isn't good enough. And that's really hard for BYU. Oh, one one is based on Luke Staley's injury. 
96 is based on having a loss at 12 and 1 and or 13 and 1 and still not being good enough to get in the bowl coalition. Nothing's changed. I, I feel like this is, uh, you know, going to Martin Van Buren and, and hey, Missouri, we need redress here. Uh, your cause is just. You're 9-0. You've dominated. But I can do nothing for you, a.k.a. you're not actually a New Year's Six team. This is very disappointing. Um, and I'm probably in the, uh, out of the anger, mad into the apathy portion of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. This is disappointing. What more could BYU have done? What more could BYU have done? They had six power fives on the schedule preseason. I've said that's too many. BYU says, no, it's not enough. Let's go. All of those get canceled. BYU has to redo its schedule. Only two of those originals stay. BYU gets Boise State, goes up there, wins by 34. Was up 45-3 in that game, by the way. I know Boise State was shorthanded. Whatever. The, uh, you know, Cade Fennigan didn't play for the Boise State defense. BYU then says, yes, Houston, we will go to Houston. BYU goes there and wins by 17. What more could BYU have done? BYU is being punished for something out of their control, which is the schedule. And do not tell me that Tom Homo just started getting on the phone. Remember preseason, those rumors about Alabama? Oh, I remember. They weren't rumors. BYU, the staff, actually started prepping for Alabama. Iowa State was in the mix. Obviously, the Washington thing. We've they heard. prepped a day for Washington. BYU's been trying to add games. We've heard Kalani Stake say throughout the season, no, we've wanted to get to 12. So this is disappointing. BYU's played the schedule it could play. BYU dominated, and yet it's out of a New Year's Six position. I really hope the Lilburn Boggs College Football Playoff Committee can rectify some things over the weekend. They feel the heat collectively from the national media. I just want to share two quotes. There are like 200 quotes that I want to share today, but we'll stick with these two. From David Pollack, one of the lead analysts for college football on ESPN. My gosh, BYU 14, watching them throughout this season, that was absolutely nuts to me. Watching how potent they've been, how fun they've been, how dominant they have been, not just analytically, but physically. When you turn on the tape, Desmond Howard this morning on ESPN's Get Up, it was completely unfair. I was stunned by that. There's absolutely no way you can watch BYU play games and think that they deserve to be ranked number 14. That's asinine to me. It makes absolutely no sense, end quote. That's just two. We haven't even talked about Kirk Herbstreet. Can I read one more? Yes, please. At Anish Shroff, ESPN play-by-play. Yes, the strength of schedule is awful, but clearly the college football playoff committee didn't watch a minute of BYU football this season. That's my issue. They may say they did, but then putting it BYU 14 says they don't care about BYU's dominance. What then? I I just don't understand. There's inconsistency there. BYU's not seven spots lower than Cincinnati. Seven spots? I don't. Okay, I don't need BYU at eight or nine, but I I need BYU at ten though. I really do. Seven spots lower than Cincinnati? Hey. Well, the strength of schedule is clearly much tougher for Cincinnati. Is it? Yeah. And, and let's – let's uh, so, lost in the shuffle. This is the first time ever BYU's ever been in the college football playoff rankings, by the way. And BYU's ranked higher than every Pac-12 team. <laughs> Iowa State, Still? who lost at home by 17 to unranked Louisiana and has two losses higher than BYU in the college football playoff. Ball. I don't agree that the two-loss Power 5 team should be ahead of BYU. All right, that takes us to this week's Rootables. If you're new to the program, uh, because BYU is scoreboard watching very heavily, more now, uh, now more than uh, ever before, we're looking at two of the most important games this weekend, even though BYU is not playing. Okay, We need 
We collectively, BYU Sports Nation, need Texas to beat Iowa State, Jerem. And right Welcome. now, Texas is up 10-7 on the Cyclones with four minutes left in the first quarter. But won't Texas maybe leapfrog BYU? So here's the thing. I feel like if number 17 Texas beats number 13 Iowa State, then it will give the College Football Playoff Committee some room to course correct without having to look as dumb as they did by putting BYU at 14 in the first place. Hopefully. So maybe they put Texas up to... 14 and put BYU at number 13 and one of the two lost teams goes behind BYU because now they have three losses also South Carolina hosting Georgia Georgia's going to crush South Carolina Mm -hmm. but if the Gamecocks are close they're a 21 point underdog if it's close and ugly then maybe there's room for some oh yeah Georgia's not really as good as we thought they'd be so maybe Georgia with their two losses gets dropped but if they look sloppy against South Carolina okay sounds good to me man This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo joined me and David Nixon on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff to discuss Really the elephant in the room right now for BYU football, which is scheduling. Keep in mind, this was before the Washington news went public and college football viral last night. Still, Tom's comments are very timely and relevant to why BYU did not take that game. Here's a portion of our conversation with Tom Holmo from Saturday. BYU clearly has, as a football program, their eyes set on a type of bowl game they've never been to, a New Year's Six game, and that comes with significant financial boosting if you are able to qualify for a game like that. How much would qualifying for a game like that help the current situation financially that BYU is in? Well, it would help a lot. The timing could not be more impeccable. I love that, but certainly this year might be a little bit different with the financial ramifications for games because they won't have, they weren't going to be able to fill up those stadiums. So they'll, it'll be less than years past, but it'll be really good for BYU. So this has been kind of a hot topic amongst fans is can BYU schedule more games? I know, I know that you've seen it on Twitter and everywhere else, but how inclined are you to add another game knowing that obviously BYU has a bye week next week and the 5th and the 12th of December? Are there any games on your radar? Are you talking to any teams that there's some options there? <laughs> Wouldn't everybody like to know? <laughs> That's why we have you right here, Tom. We got, we got you on set yeah, I mean, to, look, you know, ask the hard ones. I think it's really important for everybody to understand that this is a day-to-day affair. Now, I plan into the future a little bit. We, I know my open dates, and people out there know our open dates. So there's a, it's kind of like a boxing match, you know, the first round. You're not going to throw any haymakers. <laughs> you're just going to kind of look for a shot. And that's what we're doing is we're waiting. We're seeing there's not a lot of people that are asking right now because everybody's waiting. They want to wait and see. Everybody wants to wait and see how it kind of pay, plays out. But we do have some games. I think one of the things that people see that we said early on, hey, we'll play anybody. We really would have played anyone a, a number of months ago. I think when you get to this point right now where we've scheduled 10 games, you can be a little bit more discriminate about you. Wouldn't, we wouldn't play anybody. But, yeah, if, if there's some games out there that are going to do the two teams well, and it's going to be an advantage for both the teams to play, that would be a really good matchup. Yeah, I think that's the key there is, is it beneficial for both parties to play this game? How will it propel those? And, you know, let's be honest, like BYU pacing for this New Year's Six opportunity, 
you should feel extra discriminant uh, as, as you try and get to a place that BYU's never been. Well, I think there's factors involved, and one of them is this team. And there's so many people that forget about we got players out there. And, and one of the things that will come down to are the players. You know, what are they going to want to do? And every oh, they'll want to play. They'll want to play. It doesn't matter. They want to play every week. Uh, that's not necessarily true. I mean, they have their eyes on this game today. And then they'll listen to their coach. The coaches and the players are really locked in right now. And they'll communicate. And I'll keep in touch with Kalani. And then, you know, this week they'll announce uh, – the, uh, the uh, CP, CFP standings, and then we'll see. That's where everybody will go, oh, here's where everybody else stands. And you'll get a very good snapshot of where it is. Now, they'll change week to week, and it'll change depending on the games and who's there. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question is, is how much will that first college football playoff ranking affect what you want to do with the potential scheduling of a game on November 28th or December 5th or December 19th? I think it has a lot to do with that. So we'll just wait and see. Um, it's possible there will be games that will be open up next week. I, you know, the, the question for <laughs> uh, for our teams are going to be how quickly would you try to schedule a game? I mean, there's there's people that are putting games together in three or four days. Does, is that good for the teams? I mean, it's a game. They get to play. But, you know, at this point in time, these games are really starting to count. All the, Every single one of these games counts now. As you get down to that point where you don't really get to prepare for a team and you're going to play a team on the road or at home, it, there's a lot of factors. And I'm just going to look Kalani in the eye and go, hey, coach, what do the boys want to do? What do you want to do? What's in the best interest of our team right now? And that's what we'll do. And right now what's in the best interest of the team is to not schedule Washington with all of those Pac-12 parameters and no guarantee of a game if they do agree to it knowing that on Thursday they could be said, sorry, we can't play anymore. I kind of like the power play that is BYU right now. Typically, BYU needs the Pac-12 because BYU is an independent. They need more games, right? Um, And that relationship is – it's not one for one, right? Like, BYU probably needs more Pac-12 involvement than the Pac-12 needs involvement with BYU. But they they connect a lot. BYU's had a successful and fruitful Pac-12 relationship for a long time. And uh, I still wish BYU was in that league at some point. It has major issues. It has the, it's probably the worst Power 5 league in terms of relevance and finances. But I still want BYU to be in that league at some point. I just think it's a great fit regionally. It is not culturally. Obviously, BYU, as a private Christian institution, has butted heads over time with things, obviously, in the 60s and 70s, which everyone knows about all the way up to this day. But with this particular issue... It is just too much. BYU has the one with the leverage. BYU is the top 10 team. BYU doesn't need the game. Washington needs BYU more than BYU needs Washington right now because they want to get up to the level of USC and Oregon. And by beating BYU, that would do that. And to the level of BYU, Spencer. Washington wants to get to the level of BYU. They want want to be in the New Year's Six conversation. In the top 10 and relevant. Listen, this is a special, unique season. BYU is probably going to go like 7-5 and next year. But... Right now, what BYU is doing is awesome. It's not BYU's fault that six Power 5 games were canceled before the year. So when one team asks, when the context and situation has changed, and BYU says no, don't forget that three Pac-12 games were canceled. BYU is in a different situation. This is not in a vacuum. You have to look around at what's going on, and BYU does not need this game. Now, maybe tomorrow night, all of a sudden, they need a game like this. We'll see. But I'm guessing that BYU is going to be okay, that they're going to be in the 7, 8, or 9 position in the rankings tomorrow night. Just go with me on this a little bit. There are already several teams 
and a couple of ranked teams that have openings on December 5th. Not Power 5, I know. So what, SMU and Marshall? UCF is not a ranked team, but clearly they carry some type of respect because everyone was lobbing all sorts of respect at Cincinnati after they won that game on the road. Right. Right? It's kind of like... Held on at the BYU end. beating yeah. Boise State. Cincinnati winning at UCF was like BYU winning at Boise State. Right. It and was the litmus test on the road. Right. There are going to be more maneuverings based on everything that's happening within the Pac-12, within the SEC right now. The SEC has had several games canceled. Watch out for December 19th. Okay? Watch out for what happens on December 19th when the conference championship games are played and the Power Five conferences are still trying to get in another game. If somebody can't play... And I don't know, a Texas A&M pops up or a Florida pops up and they say, hey, we, we want a chance to play in the college football playoff. Is anybody available? Are you saying a game with BYU? On December 19th? Because I, I, I wouldn't want that game. Here's the thing, though. No. If BYU is number seven or number eight in the poll and they play a team that is ranked around them or maybe even a little bit higher than them, then clearly they're showing oh, we're not afraid to play a big game. And would that team, would, would the loser of that game all of a sudden be shoved out of the New Year's Six conversation? BYU would be. If it was the final week yes. and a yes. top ten matchup. Yes. What have you done for me lately? Oh, and you actually played uh, a really hard Close team and, and you lost. Yeah. Close loss? I don't believe that a non-undefeated BYU has a chance in the New Year's Six. I just mm-hmm. don't. The schedule has not been good enough. That's not BYU's fault. You know whose fault it is? Everyone who canceled with BYU, which was eight of those teams. San Diego State and Boise State ended up re-upping with BYU, but it was North Alabama and Houston who stayed originally from the 12. It's Missouri's fault. It's Stanford's fault. So really it's, 10 of the 12 you know teams. I mean? It's their fault. Right. It's 10 of the 12. Yeah. Good well, I guess eight. But uh, yeah, it's, it's complicated. But we'll see if BYU adds a game. Tom Homo has not ruled that out. So let's go. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Uh, today we're going to begin a new venture within this BYU basketball season and our version of prop picks for the Cougar Hoopsters. We add a major twist to this season. There will be consequences if we lose. Yes, there will. So after each matchup... Uh, Whoever loses, meaning fewer correct picks, we may have the same number or whatever, or none of us got any right or the same number, we will spin the wheel of consequence. There will be a consequence that we have to do for the rest of that segment. (laughs) One of those includes shaving your head. No, it doesn't. But we'll uh, we'll bust that out next week. (laughs) Can't wait. All right. Here are today's prop picks for BYU against Utah Valley tomorrow night, live on BYU TV, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley, what do you have for us at number one? All right, Spencer, you get the first pick here. Who makes the, fir- who makes the first three-point play for BYU tomorrow? And I'm not talking just three-point shot, three-point play. Um, his initials are the first two letters in the alphabet, so naturally it will come first. Alex Barcelo, A-B for three, will be the first to score a three-point play or a three-pointer. I go Connor Harding. Alex Barcelo will drive, kick. Connor Harding will make a three. Or he'll get to the rim and... And what? Okay, number two. All right, Jeremy, you the first one here. More points for BYU in the first half or the second half tomorrow. I go second. I think BYU makes some adjustments at halftime. They really turn it on. Second half. I agree with you. It will be the second half. Okay, and full disclosure, prior to this, 
I've known your picks before, and you've known mine. I don't know your we don't picks know them. today. We don't know them. A little just wizard. Wheel of consequences. Them. Not knowing yep. each other's picks yep. beforehand. Yep. yep. Number three, Ben. It's getting serious in here. Last one. Only three picks. Four fouls or offensive rebounds for <laughs> Caleb Lohner. <laughs> fouls. Oh, really? Fouls. He, he had... Uh, Three offensive rebounds or four last night, but five fouls, so I'm going to stick with him. I'm going offensive rebounds. I think he's going to be extra cautious about the fouls tomorrow night because oh. it's top of mind. Well, and let's be honest, it's not likely that Gavin Baxter plays tomorrow night, even if he's better than it looks, right? Um, so, you know. Okay, we're on opposite ends of those fouls. picks. Offensive rebounds. He's so physical, though. It's hard not to. He's just like, just so strong. How is that? How is he 6'8", 235 out of high school? He came like, out. It's incredible. He came out with a denim cutoff sleeve shirt last night. <laughs> I love his personality, <laughs> dude. Like, he is such, like, Caleb Lohner looks like he's the best hang ever. You know what I mean? You need that friend that you're like, no matter what we're doing, it's just fun. Yeah. Just oh, chill. No, he's hilarious. Like, he looks like he's up to do whatever. Like, anything. He's got Justin sure, Timberlake yeah, hair from cool. uh, Sync in 2000. It's amazing. Our question of the day, which Black Friday deal are you buying for BYU today? In response, our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Colonel underscore James 83 on Twitter. Whatever it takes to pay off the Pac-12 commissioner, the Utah Athletic and the State Health Commission to play the Utes on December 19th. Pay off? We're talking about that? Jeez. (laughs) Today's Rise and Shout Out. You're buying it. It's Black Friday, right? You're buying it. That's true. Yeah. It just seems like nefarious means. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout Out is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Uh, both of us, uh, Gavin Baxter, he's got a knee injury. Hopefully it's uh, you know less than more serious, but uh, perhaps serious. We don't know exactly quite yet. He was going to get an MRI last night. Yeah. There's been no official release of information relative to that, but I'm sure we'll find out before tomorrow night. So uh, best wishes for Gavin because yeah. he made an extremely unselfish move to come back last year and play the seven games. He could have redshirted, but he helped BYU beat Gonzaga at home. Starter for the first two games, he was an integral piece of this team. We're thinking about you, Gavin. Get better, man. Uh, we're wishing you the best. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are welcoming in BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess on game day, who joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Chris, great to have you back. What are your emotions like on a game day of a season opener and a season opener in 2020, no less? Um, so many emotions, right? Just so excited to, to be able to compete again, um, get back on the merit center on the court and to, you know, our guys have been working so hard. So I was super happy for them to be able to compete against someone um, besides themselves. Um, and just excited that, you know, college basketball starting and it's been the longest off season, I think in the history of the sport and, and it gets to start just, you know, nationwide. So we're excited to kind of see where we're at. Um, tonight's game and tomorrow's game is going to really teach us who we are and what we need to work on and what, you know, what do we need to keep doing? So a lot of emotions, mostly excitement, but want to, you know, focus one game at a time. And, and we really, we really want to, we really want to compete tonight and just play hard. Talk to us about the mindset of the team, because like you mentioned, you're about to play three games in four nights. 
six games in 10 days, all significant at the beginning of the season because there are fewer games for the NCAA tournament resume to, uh, committee to look at on your resume when the season ends. So you're about to embark on a tough stretch here. Yeah, we are. And, we know, and we're, I think we're prepared for that. We've had, you know, my, if anything, minor setbacks during, the, during this offseason and this preseason. Um, our guys have been bringing it every single day. But the mindset is just right now is focusing on the game that we're playing, which is Westminster. Uh, we feel like we're prepared as best we can um, for the next, you know, like you said, the next six games with everything we've been doing in this preseason, uh, which, uh, you know, defensively is working on transition defense, ball screen defense, rebounding the basketball, you know, taking away three-point shot, and then offensively obviously working every single day. So regardless of who we play, we feel pre- we feel as prepared as we can be. Um, and, like you know, and again, we're, we're excited to play tonight because we'll be taught a few things tonight of what we need to keep working on so our mindset is like focus on the the game at hand respect your opponent in Westminster um, and then when that game's over you know we'll, we'll get ready for New Orleans how has your team prepared for the adjustment of playing in front of limited fans and a little bit of family when we all know that there's so much energy when the Marriott Center is full it's going to be different so how have you prepared for that adjustment you know it's going to be so different um and I think it's going to be, you know, as prepared as we can and have done um, the last few weeks. Um, it's still going to be kind of a shock to, you know, everyone in college basketball, including us, who has, you know, one of the best home uh, venues in the country. What, we, what we've done is simulated kind of an inter-squad scrimmage um, and made it like a game day um, event with kind of the crowd noises that, you know, is going to be blasted in the Marriott Center. Um, we've, we've created an atmosphere of where we'll be sitting you know, on the bench, being socially distanced, wearing your masks, making sure you're, you know, you're, you're cleansing your hands after when you, when you come out of the game. Um, So we're doing everything we can there um, to try to simulate it. But tonight really is going to be our first real test. Right. And, and our guys, we've talked so much about our guys. We've actually in practice put, you know, our guys that are not on the court on the sideline and they have to talk and bring energy because they're going to be our fans, right? Like they're the ones going to be bringing the juice and bringing that energy to the guys on the court. Uh, we, we even talked about kind of like, you know, the NBA in their bubble. Uh, how, you know, especially during the playoffs, you know, the guys who were on the bench, they were really, you know, jumping up and down, talking a little smack, getting the guys going, calling out the plays. And so we've been simulating that every single day the last few weeks and practice of where they should be standing. And if you're not talking, you know, we just send them on sprints. Right. And so we've tried to simulate that because we think, yes, our families are going to be there, but our bench is going to be our fa- Like it's going to be, you know, the rock in our fan base. Right. Like it's just the truth. So we're excited. We're excited about that to see where they're at. Generally, when I talk too much, that's when I'm punished and I have to run. But you're, you're telling them you talk or you will run. This, this is a new dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely. You better communicate this game. You know, we always coach Pope always talks about, you know, when you go into an NBA practice, um, it's the feel is so different simply because of their voices. Right. There's constant communication, constant talking. And so he talks about that all the time with our guys. And listen, some guys by nature are pretty shy and don't want to open their mouths. And we get that. But they got to come out of their comfort zone where some guys like talk too much. And we love it. Right. We, we, we want them to talk. We want them to talk. We want them to, um, <clears throat> you know, talk to their players, talk to their teammates, but also talk a little smack to their team <laughs> in, in a constructive manner. Yeah, who's the Jake Toulson this year? That, that'll be a big question to be filled, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple of them. Uh, I don't know if anyone can match Jake, um, <laughs> but, but there's a couple of them, that, the guys that, that are going to take a step this year with constructive 
you know, mind games verbally. Um, but, but, you know, nothing that's going to cause any issues, but Jake, Jake's on a whole nother level, right? I mean, BYU fans saw that last year. We loved it, man. It brought so much energy to our team. Yeah, he was fun. Let's finish with this. Uh, you have 17 players on the roster, 15 are eligible to play, uh, one's, one's injured and, and out in, in Townsend triple. And then Brandon war is redshirting. How are you going to find the balance of, of mixing in a lot of those dudes, uh, which are very talented, will contribute in games? Well, listen, we got a lot of depth. We got a lot of different rosters. We think we can, you know, um, lineups we think we can put out there based on matchups, based on who's playing well. Um, you know, we feel like we have a defensive lineup, offensive lineup, a shot-making lineup, right, um, you know, a rebounding lineup. And so I think these, you know, usually have exhibition games to kind of tinker with these things to see where things are at. But the players are going to teach Coach Pope uh, who should be playing, who should be on the court um, based on how hard they play, how well they rebound the ball, uh, <clears throat> how they're communicating and, and, and bringing it every day. Um, but, you know, it's a good problem to have. Um, but as long as everyone's focused on one thing, and I know that's really hard, but if they're focused on one thing, which is winning this game and doing something special like last year's team did and creating this best locker room in America atmosphere, then it's not going to matter who's out there, right? It's not going to matter. And if we can do that, we'll be successful. And guys got to put away their egos and their agendas um, every single morning starting today, right? Where, you know, you, you know that box score is, is sometimes hard to look at. Right, that the minutes or the points sometimes hard to look at, but if you cannot worry about it and just worry about the the win column, we're going to be special. So we got lineups to mess with, and Coach Pope, at the end of the day, to answer your question, he's the one who's got to he's the one who's got to do the subbing. So <laughs> be more on him. I'll be the suggestion guy. So he's got to be, <laughs> and that's why I got that big extension, right? So that's why he he's got to make the tough decisions. But we're, all all fifteen guys can go out there and help us win games, and we're excited to see. Um, which guys are going to be able to do that on a daily basis. BYU basketball assistant coach and suggestion guy, Chris Burgess, with That's us right. on right. BYU Sports Nation. Hey, let's give you some karma for tonight's game. Uh, we're stoked that you're back on the floor, and uh, we'll see you at the Marriott Center. Thanks, guy. We're so excited to be playing. Chris Burgess on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Like lost in the shuffle of everything. Oh, yeah, basketball season starts. Yeah. And trust me, we haven't forgotten. And it's no small feat that you, they're back. I'm joining you as a part of the, you know, the broadcast team. That would be very exciting. Super stoked. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now from Las Vegas on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom is one of our all-time favorites, former NBA veteran, all-American college basketball player, now the head coach of BYU women's basketball, Jeff Judkins. Coach, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. You guys look great. You guys are doing it. And season's here finally after a long, long summer, long fall. So it's, it's exciting to get going. It's your 20th season. We feel like we should congratulate you on that. That's, it's an, been an incredible run for you. So uh, welcome to your 20th season. Congratulations. Well, thanks, Spencer. It's, it's, gone, it's gone fast. That's, that was a lot of years, but it doesn't seem like that long. But it's, it's, it's been a fun ride for me. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, I'm very lucky to be able to coach and do something that I love and be able to coach great athletes and, and really young ladies that, work hard and do the right thing and really are the, are the true, I guess, student athlete that everybody wants them to be. So I'm very blessed. Jeffrey, we're excited about your team because Shaylee Gonzalez is back. Obviously, Sarah Hampson and Paisley 
uh, Johnson Harding, and then you've added a nice influx of uh, newcomers, grad transfers, and freshmen. Uh, how do you feel about this team this year? We have a lot of depth. I think what you just said, a lot of people came in. We've had two transfers, and then we had a young lady sit out. Uh, Laura Laura um, had, had, had to sit out last year for transferring. Um, and then, so we have, instead of having seven deep, I think we're really nine or ten deep, which I haven't had that for a long time. And with injuries, with COVID-19, with all these other things, it's nice to be able to really have that. And uh, this team, we can play a lot of different ways, which is with the depth that I have, it's, it's been nice. I haven't been able to do that for a, for quite a while. So um, we're excited. You know, you're kind of you're kind of a little nervous because you you practice, you feel like you're doing pretty well, but until you get on the court and start playing, you don't know really where your team's going to be yet. Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation from Las Vegas as the Cougars get set to open up their season against LSU at the South Point Shootout. Everybody wants to know about Shaylee Gonzalez, and from a coaching standpoint, she's healthy, yes, but does she look like the Shaylee of old or something else, Coach? She looks very similar. Um, sitting out last year it helped her a lot on her shot. Her outside shooting is way more consistent now than it was as a freshman. She looks, she's, she looks for her jumpers probably more than she did, but she still gets to the basket. She's still scrappy. She still can make great plays. Um, and I, I think she's got a lot of, a lot of fire. I mean, sitting out for years hard. And I think she's really excited to get going. Uh, she's kind of the, you know, the missing part that we had on last year's team. She just does so many things to help other players. I think that's what makes her so great is she makes things easy for everybody else. And so, you know, I'm trying to make her a complete player. I've been really hard on her with her defense. I want her to be a lot better defender than she was as a freshman. I, I expect her to do, you know, take take the good player and not always stick it to somebody else. And uh, she's had to show a lot of leadership. I mean, you know, being a sophomore now, but being kind of a redshirt sophomore, she's been here for a while. So. We're expecting big things from Shaylee, and uh, she's she's playing well right now. The last game she played, she had 32 against Stanford in the NCAA tournament. That was quite the performance. Let's talk about some of these newcomers you mentioned. Tegan Graham, a grad transfer from Colgate. Kayla Bellis-Lee, that's Colby Lee's wife, who transferred from Michigan State. And then uh, you mentioned Porter Gustin, who plays in the NFL with the Browns, went to USC from Salem Hills here. Uh, his sister, Lauren Gustin, is on this team. What will they bring to the squad? Well, Lauren, Lauren played high school ball one year with Shaylee, and they won a state championship. Uh, Lauren is a tough, physical player, great rebounder. Um, she just knows how to play, got a really good feel. Um, she's physical. I think she brings a lot of that to our team, and she's worked really hard on her outside jumper. She's now hitting 15 to 18 feet, and if she can do that, that can really open up the middle for us. Uh, Tegan is kind of a well-rounded player. She can she play the four or the three, can guard anybody, great passer. For some reason, these New Zealand players are very good passers. I don't know if it just comes from playing something over there. I don't know, but she's an excellent, excellent passer. Shoots the three, um, a great leader, always talking on the court. I think, and then, her, of course, her... She's a she's a grad transfer, so she's got a lot of experience. She's been in, in been in some big games. Uh, Kayla 
came in really excited about her. She playing really well. And then she had some, some knee problems. She had to get her knee scoped and she's not going to be on this trip. She's just uh, trying to get rehab and we're hoping to get her back hopefully by, by next week or the week after. Um, but she, she brings us a lot of inside presence can shoot the three um, good rebounder. And so I think these three are going to make a big impact to our team this year. Coach, the first game of the season is always uh, kind of a guessing game. What do you expect from your team against a formidable SEC opponent in LSU tonight? Well, you know, LSU is uh, four years ago, she recruited this this group that she has right now. And she thought this would be her best year, I think, with them all being seniors. So now we're playing a veteran team that's been together for three years. Um they play, of course, in one of the best conferences in America. So for us, we got to come out and really just stick it to them and know that it's going to be a real physical, tough game. And if we can if we can hang with them on the boards, not give them a lot of opportunities, then we have a good chance of winning. I, I don't think they realize what kind of shooting team that we have. We have a very good team that can hit the three from the outside and you know, and so if we can if we can stay with them with on the glass, I think we have a really good chance of, of beating them today. And you've got the size to do that. You six eight. Everything all right there, Jeff? Yes. Yeah, we got we got that, but they got a six five pulse that that is it's really good. She's she was first team all conference last year and she's physical and can score it. So I hope Sarah can really kind of get her out, out of rhythm and then We'll bring some other players in just to try to bump her around and not let her get, you know, get the position that she really wants to. But, you know, I think our team's excited for this matchup. Uh, sometimes you like to have an easy game first, but sometimes it's good to play a real good team first, kind of like what Gonzaga men did yesterday. They they played Kansas. And it was a really tough game. Uh, sometimes playing that first game like that can really help your team. Coach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Uh, in fact, uh, you should probably treat yourself some, to some room service. Well, can you go to Steak and Shake downstairs <laughs> at South Point? Is that is that okay? Uh, it's okay, but I haven't been down there. We kind of stayed in our wing, and I think we just we just you hear so many teams that the games are being canceled and this and that, and so we've we just want to make sure that we're, we're you know we have a great chance to play this preseason. So these girls are real careful. We are careful. All right, yeah. Well, the karma extends to uh, COVID protections as well. And treat yourself to a milkshake, man. Get it however you need to get it. Order it through room send, service. You deserve this. Send Lee or Ray down there for I, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thanks for being on with you. And hope you'll have a great year this year. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.